0: I've shared some, uh, some stories, some personal experiences that I've had over the years with the Lord quickening certain scriptures to my heart. Now, when I talk about quickening scriptures, I'm not talking necessarily about bringing to my remembrance or to my knowledge something that I didn't know about that was in the Word. But more than that, the experiences that I've had are bringing the word to me in a real and personal way that brought strength, that led me into the victory of whatever the situation I was in at the time. And this is what Paul seems to be praying for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. Notice in verse 15, he said, Wherefore I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love and all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. So he's praying for Christians. He's praying for spirit-filled Christians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, folks, you can't be talking about knowledge of God just to be saved because they're already saved. So when he talks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, he's talking about going further than just entering into the family of God. He's talking about being able to see by the work of the Lord in our lives, to be able to see what belongs to us and who we are in Christ and what God's plan and purpose is for each and every one of us. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or opened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, this prayer that Paul is inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray, and then the Holy Ghost saved us a record of it, is not asking that God would give unto his people something new. He's not even praying by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost for God to give them something they don't have. His prayer is that our eyes would be opened, our spiritual eyes would be open, so that we would see who we are. We would see what's already been given to us. Now, that in, in, insinuates that without God opening our eyes, The eyes of our spirits we're not going to see and we're not going to know what we have and paul wouldn't be praying this this prayer for everybody if it wasn't a universal truth that once we come into the family of god once we become new creatures in christ jesus that's just the beginning point of what god wants us to see and know just the beginning point Paul wrote to the church, wrote to the Corinthians, and said, now we see through a glass darkly. In other words, he's saying spiritual things aren't readily open or available for us to see or understand. It's going to take some pursuing the things of God. It's going to take some meditation, meditating in the Word to come to the place where we see and know what He wants us to see and know. There's been a part of this that I've been struggling with a little bit because I knew there were things that that God wanted me to see and knew there were things that he wanted me to understand that I didn't quite have a handle on it. And that's one of the reasons why I've continued with this series on Wednesday nights is because the more that I am made to look into this, the more I get ready for these services or these well, services, the Wednesday night services. The more I go after it, the more and more I see. And I see something more about it now than I saw before. Turn with me to Zechariah chapter ten. Zechariah chapter ten. The prophet of the old testament is talking about some things relative to the end of days. When Jesus comes back for the church notice in chapter 10 of Zechariah verse 1 it says ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field now here we're talking about ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain that just simply means in the end time now folks I believe we're pretty deep into the end times I don't know how long it's going to be and I don't my idea about it isn't any better or any worse than yours but the Bible says that nobody knows for sure but there seems to me at least for me individually there seems to be an increasing urgency about some of the things that God has given us to do in these last days now notice again in Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 It says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds. Another translation says lightnings. And he'll give us showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So it's telling us what these lightnings or these bright clouds. It's just simply talking about the manifestation of his presence and the display of his power. Now, we see certain things in the Scriptures throughout the, uh, the New Testament. We see certain things that just happened all of a sudden. And here's what I mean about that. In Acts chapter 3, it talks about the man at the beautiful gate of the temple, the crippled man at the beautiful gate of the temple. It says he was laid daily there in the same space, same place, To beg alms or money from people that go in uh, that are going into the temple the bible also says that peter and john went up to the temple at the ninth hour being the hour of prayer so that means they're used to going there at that same time every day so if they're doing this daily if they're going to the temple daily at a certain time a fixed time and this guy's laid daily at the gate of the temple they're passing this guy day after day after day. Well, if they're passing him day after day after day, why wasn't it on the first day that Paul and, that Peter and John passed by this guy that they ministered healing to him in the name of Jesus and got him healed? Another example of that is over in Acts chapter 16, where it talks about when they were on their way to the synagogue, they, meaning Paul and his company, They were on their way to the synagogue and there was this little girl that was being held in bondage, a slave to her masters that was possessed with an evil spirit and would tell people's fortunes. And of course she'd do this for money and get the money for her masters. They were using her and her fortune telling abilities such as they may have been to make money. And it says that th- she did this when they, when Paul and his company would come to the synagogue every day for what the Bible says many days. I don't know how long that is, but it's more than a few, I guess. Every day she would cry out and say, these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And like I said, Acts 16 says she did this many days, but one day, one day it was different. Paul being grieved in his spirit, said to the spirit that possessed this girl come out of him or come out of her and he did and she lost her fortune-telling ability and therefore the ability to make money for her masters was gone well why didn't paul do that on the first day what is it about where the scripture says he was grieved and because he was grieved he did something about it and cast the devil out of this little girl Why didn't he do it the first day? Because, folks, there are things that the Bible tells us about uh, exercising authority on behalf of other people or to benefit other people that you just can't do without the unction of the Holy Ghost. There was what I'll call a flash or a lightning flash of the Holy Ghost in both of those cases in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 16 that brought deliverance to the individuals involved. But there was a flash of lightning, a Holy Ghost lightning that took place and that had to take place for that deliverance to come. I'm equating these lightnings with the quickening of the Holy Ghost. And if we look at the the ministry of Jesus and the different uh, healing miracles that he performed well every miracle for that matter but we emphasize the healing most times more than anything else when the woman with issue of blood for example came in the press behind and touched Jesus garment there was a flash of lightning of the Holy Ghost now don't think I'm talking about naturally I'm not although I do want to share some things with you about natural lightning but here's an unction of the Holy Ghost here's a quickening of the Holy Ghost here's a Impression of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 16, that impression was upon the disciples. In Mark chapter 5, with the woman with the issue of blood, it wasn't anything that anybody else could see. It was something that she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague when the power went into her, went out of Jesus and into her. But here's a Holy Ghost flash of lightning. And again, I'm referring to the same thing that Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 talks about. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds. That word bright clouds is also translated lightnings. There's only three times that word is used in the Hebrew, the Old Testament. One time is there in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1, it's translated bright clouds. The other two are in the book of Job, and it's translated lightnings in both places in Job. So here's the Holy Spirit saying that if we'll pray and ask the Holy Ghost or ask God for the rain, which is always used in Scripture as a type of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a moving of the Holy Spirit, the result would be and is that he'll give us these bright clouds or he'll give us these Holy Ghost lightnings. That will result in not only people coming into the family of God, but will result in showers of rain. Now, if the showers of rain is talking about the Holy Ghost, and, and we have to believe that it is, turn with me to James chapter 5. We'll use a comparison here to show you it's talking about the same things. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. James chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Well, we know what he's talking about then, don't we? He's talking about Jesus coming back for the church. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. So he's saying that there's a move of the Holy Ghost. Here's the Holy Ghost telling us through James, who was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem at that time, is telling us, That Jesus is waiting for something that brings forth the precious fruit of the earth. Now, the only fruit God ever has cared about is people. So, here where he's talking about the precious fruit of the earth, he's got to be talking about God's desire to get as many people into the kingdom of God as he can. He's not standing on ready to give people what they deserve, he's exercising long patience to get as many people into the family of God to escape the fires of hell as possible. So the precious fruit that he's waiting for has to be people. And then he tells us what brings about this precious fruit of the earth. What's going to bring in the multitudes of people into the kingdom of God or the people that he's waiting to come into the kingdom of God before Jesus is sent back to the earth. He said the thing that brings that about is the the early and the latter rain. So here again, just as in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1, James chapter 5 and verse 7 is identifying that there's a work of the Holy Ghost reserved for the last days. In other places in the Scripture, the Bible tells us that the latter rain will be greater than the former. In other words, the moving of the Holy Ghost this latter day's work of the Holy Spirit himself will produce a greater harvest than anything that we've seen in the history of the church up to this point. Now, if you look at the beginning of the church in, in uh, Acts, the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts, you'll see that through some healings and some miracles, that church grew explosively, as a result of the power of God that was put on display. Well, that would have to to be the early reign, wouldn't it? The early days of the church. But it says in the latter days, the last days, we'll have even greater displays or exhibits of the power of God to bring people into the kingdom of God. So as I said, if we look at the, what the Bible tells us about these things, we made mention of Mark chapter 5, the woman with issue of blood. She came in the press behind and touched Jesus' garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Well, here's a flash of Holy Ghost lightning that brought about her healing. Now, Jesus ministered healing in a variety of ways. For example, the 10 lepers, the Bible says, were healed as they went. So here was a flash of lightning that looked totally different from some of the other ways that that the Holy Ghost had manifested himself. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, it talks about the leper that came to Jesus and said, Master, I believe you can heal me if you will. Jesus was moved with compassion toward him and stretched forth his hand immediately, and his leprosy was cleansed. Here's a flash of Holy Ghost lightning. Now, folks, every time that we see some of these things, and I know this is certainly true in my experience, and I would e- expect that you've had the same experience that I have throughout your Christian life or different places in your Christian life. But when those Holy Ghost lightnings come, whether it's a quickening according to a specific scripture that you might be standing on or something that you might have need of because of the circumstances that you're in. They always bring revelation of some type and it always is a display in some measure of the power of God. For example, we make mention just a moment ago of Matthew chapter 8, the leper that came to Jesus He said, I believe you can heal me. I believe you have the power to heal me if you will. Well, when Jesus said, I will, and reached forth and laid his hand on the guy, all of a sudden revelation comes to this fellow. The revelation that it is the will of God to heal him is what brought about his healing. Now, let me tell you a little bit about lightning. Lightning... Is an electro- electrostatic discharge that instantly makes energy available up to one gigajoule of energy. Now, I have no idea what a gigajoule is. But we know from having seen lightning, experienced lightning strikes, we know there's gotta be a lot. We know that there are certain cases and certain situations where lightning striking certain things fries everything, all the electronic equipment or whatever. Fries it instantly. Now there are three types of lightning. One is, and and, and let let me say it this way to make sure I get out a little bit of information. Lightning always has to have a starting point and an ending point. It always has to have a point A where it begins and a point B where it ends. And one of the, the uh, types of lightning is an intracloud lightning. If you've ever been in a lightning storm or watched a lightning storm, there are times where we see within a cloud, within a dark cloud, that there are lights that are going off. Well, that's when point A and point B are in the same cloud. Now, another type of, cl- of lightning is when point A is in one cloud and point B is in another cloud. And that's where we get the streaks of lightning going across the sky. And then the third type of lightning is when point A is in a cloud and point B is the earth. And so we know of that as a lightning strike. Now the thing that makes it occur or happen, and I'm talking about lightning, is when point A and point B equalize. When there is the same condition for point A where where the lightning originates and point B where the lightning ends, those have to be on equal measures. They have to have the same measure of electrostatic shock for the lightning to occur. Now, folks, if you look at the way, and John G. Lake used to make the statement, he, he said it quite often. He said that lightning is God's power in the natural realm, but holy, the Holy Ghost power is God's power in the spiritual realm. And so he did a lot of study and a lot of research on lightning, because he felt it was a, a very good example of the Holy Ghost power, the power of God in the natural realm as compared to the power of God in the spiritual realm. Now, folks, think about what the Word says. The Word tells us that it's given to us so that we can understand. You may, you, I'm sure you remember in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 it says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God the word of God is given to us so that we can come on the same page as God it's given to us to identify through the renewing of the mind through the revelation of God just what he desires for us and just what Jesus paid the price for so that we can take advantage of it in other words the word of God is that which is given to us to make us point b to make our lives point b point a is always okay it's always on go that's the power of God from heaven in the spiritual realm he's always ready a good example of that is what we've already mentioned in Matthew chapter 8 the, the leper. He was convinced that Jesus had the power to heal. But he didn't know if it was he was willing to heal him. Well, when Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand and said, "I will; be thou clean." That word spoken to the leper made him point B. It equalized his belief in God's ability to heal with God's willingness to heal and it brought him instant results again Paul said we look to a glass darkly but you've been in situations sometime in your life I'm sure where in the darkest night all of a sudden there was a flash of lightning and just for a moment you could see clearer than even in the middle of the the daylight, the bright sunshine. And that's what the Holy Ghost, and that's what the Word of God is given to us for. In the Old Testament, it tells about Elisha that was giving away the enemy of Israel's plans. He would send word to the king of Israel and tell him where the enemy king was encamped, or where they were planning to set up a trap or an ambush or whatever. And the enemy king, the, the, the king of Syria, I believe is who the guy was, he thought that there was somebody in his own administration, somebody on, that was close to him that was giving away their plans. And one of his advisors says that's not what's going on. The prophet in Israel is telling the king of Israel the plans that you make in your bedroom at night. And so the king of Syria sends out an army to capture this guy. The stupidity of some of the people in the Bible, some of the in- enemies of Israel, is staggering. Here's the guy that knows where, he, where the enemy king, the king of, I- of Syria, is going to be and how he's planning to attack. But somehow the king of Syria doesn't think that, the, that he'll know where about the king of Syria's plans to take him captive. That's just nuts. Well, anyway, they come out against Elisha, and Gehazi, his servant, looks out the window and sees all the enemy armies, the Syrian armies that are there to take them captive. And he said, Alas, Master, what shall we do? And Elisha says, There's more with us than are with them. And so he prayed. He said, God, open his eyes. And here was a flash of Holy Ghost lightning. His eyes were opened and he saw the hillsides overflowing with chariots and angels that were there to protect them and to keep the king of Syria's armies from doing any harm. Gehazi asked Elijah or Elisha, what are we going to do with him? Should we just kill them all? And Elisha says, no, we'll take them captive. And here's another Holy Ghost flash of lightning. This time it was uh, some kind of uh, physical flash or physical occurrence because all of the armies of Syria were blinded by a light and they were easily led by Gehazi to the king of Israel. Now when Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 says that if we'll ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain he'll make bright clouds or lightnings as I said that word is translated lightnings in the only two other places in the Old Testament where it's used. And then it says he'll give us showers of rain. Now what are the showers of rain? If the if rain represents the Holy Ghost, the moving of the Holy Ghost which the early and the latter rain always do then what are these showers of rain? Well, God's not going to make something new for the last days. The Bible tells us what the reign of the Holy Ghost looks like. The Bible tells us what it has to be. And that is the nine manifestations of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us there are diversities of operations. There are differences of administrations and there are diversities of gifts. But the manifestation, that word manifestation in in 1 Corinthians 12, is the word exhibition. In other words, the display of God's power. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. In other words, he's saying if we put these scriptures together, Zechariah, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is telling us that if we'll ask for the rain, he'll give us showers of rain he'll give us these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now that list of nine that are there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 fall into three categories. There are three power gifts. There are three revelation gifts and there are three utterance gifts. So ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So shall the Lord make bright clouds or lightnings and give them showers of rain It's talking about. It has to be talking about showers of revelation, showers of power, and showers of utterance. Now it didn't say it might happen. It said if we'll ask, he'll give us showers of rain. The showers of rain is to produce fruit, the precious fruit of the earth. Zechariah calls it grass in the field. I think that it certainly includes salvation and bringing people, multitudes of people into the kingdom of God, because we see that as an example in the early part of the book of Acts. So, if the latter rain is greater than the early rain, then we should certainly expect and should certainly expect the examples of mass salvation or evangelism that took place in the early days of the church should take place in the latter days of the church. But I don't believe that's the only fruit that there is. I believe we should expect to see those manifestations of the Spirit, those flashes of lightning. Revelation flashes, power flashes, and utterance flashes. I believe we should expect to see those in great measure for the people of God. The Bible talks also in the early days of the church about some of the things that God did among the people of God, among the Christians that brought people into the kingdom of God and brought them into God's family as well. So I don't think it's just showers of rain for the unbelievers alone. I believe it's showers of rain for the people of God as well. Folks, we've been praying for the rain solidly weekly for almost 10 years now. And one of the things that the Lord quickened in my heart just this last week is that we are in line for the bright clouds of the lightnings, for the showers of rain to be given to us, for the grass in the field to be reaped. One of the things that I told you about I don't remember which service it was, but there were some things that the Lord, well, I don't know if I should say it that way or not. Let me say it this way. There were some things that I began to confess early in the first of the year, many years ago. I don't know if I was inspired by God to do it or if I just decided to do it. I think he had something to do with it. I think he was leading me a little bit at least because it was the first time I'd ever had anything about making a confession for the church finances in any year. It's just not something that I spend a lot of time on, never have. I know if we're in the place God told us to be, and thank God we are, and if we're doing the things that he's told us to do, and thank God we always have, then he'll pay the bills. There's no point in agonizing over things that God's already said he's going to do. But this year this past year that I'm talking about many years ago, it's been almost 20 years ago now. There was just something about it. I just began to say how much money that I was believing God for, for the church throughout that year. And I'd make the confession every day that I'd get into the shower. That's kind of my prayer closet. And so I was making that confession day after day after day until about the the middle of November. And I wasn't under any pressure. It wasn't something that we had an issue or a problem or something hanging over our head. It was just something I was confessing for and believing for. But we got down into the middle of November, and I found out we were $500,000 short well, actually a little bit more than that. But short of the things that I'd been confessing. Well, all of a sudden the devil started trying to put a lot of pressure on me. Now, it wasn't something I'd made confessions about in the church. It wasn't a matter of being humiliated or letting other people see that I, was, I had failed in my faith confession or whatever. But it would have meant something to me. See, folks, if the Bible's true, it ought to work for every one of us. And so the devil started taunting me about this because there's no way that amount of money had never come in in a month or even two months. And so the devil started telling me how it wasn't going to work and so forth. And so for about two and a half, not quite three weeks. It was just there day after day after day. The devil was trying to beat me up about this. Telling me that it was a failure. Telling me it wouldn't work. Telling me it was a flop. And I just don't like to give up. So I was continuing my confession. But I was getting a little bit more anxious about it every day. But at the end of November, maybe the first couple of days of December, making the same confessions that I've been making the whole year long. All of a sudden, the part of Mark eleven twenty three where which says, and you'll have what you, whatsoever you say. The Lord just quickened that phrase to me. Uh, it certainly wasn't like I didn't know it was there. It wasn't like I hadn't meditated on that verse for hours and hours on end. Not just about this situation, but about other things from the beginning of the church and the ministry that God sent us to, to create. But somehow, just that last phrase of Mark eleven twenty three 23 jumped out at me. And I mean by that, it was like I could see it in my mind's eye. It's like I, I pictured Mark eleven twenty three, 23, and then that last phrase, he shall have whatsoever he saith." It's like it stood up. And it brought strength. It brought additional strength. It was a means and a method that the Holy Ghost was using for God to fulfill his word and bring it to pass. Well, long story short, I probably passed that threshold already, but nevertheless, to finish up the story quickly, by the end of December... We had, we had over $500,000 to come in. So for me, that morning in the shower when I saw that phrase, he shall have whatsoever he saith," that was a quickening moment for me or a lightning flash because I came out of that shower totally and completely convinced that we would have what we said. And we did. It seems to me, now you judge this for yourself, and and things work differently for different people in different situations, I get all that. But it seems to me that the Holy Ghost who is our helper is willing to go way out of his way to quicken things to us if we'll simply meditate on the word. It's no coincidence in my thinking that Psalm 119 has all these, most every place in the Old Testament. There are three other places, I think, in the Old Testament where the word quicken is used. But like nine times in Psalm 119, David talks about the quickening power of the Lord. Well, we, knew, we know that David was a great one to meditate in the Word, and Psalm 119, with all of its Scriptures, every Scripture talks about his appreciation for the Word of God in some way or another. So I don't think it's accidental. I don't think it's a coincidence that the longest Psalm that's dedicated verse after verse after verse, every one of the verses, I don't know how many there are, one I know there's at least 165. There may be some more after that. But every one of those scripture verses show his appreciation for God's word. Folks, that can't be a coincidence. The quickening power of God can't be coincidentally attached or joined together to verses that talk about the blessing of the word of God and the power of the word of God and God's goodness to make promises to us. But on the other hand, if it's not a coincidence, then these Holy Ghost flashes, these lightning strikes that connect us to God are all based on His Word, each and every one of them. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, but since the same God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, he'll quicken our mortal bodies by that Spirit that lives within us. We've got the quickener on the inside. We've got the one in charge of the lightning strikes living on the inside of us. We've got the one who makes the equalization between God's will and God's ability to join to us so that we believe the right things about him, so that we confess the right things about him. And it makes energy available in greater measure than anything known to mankind. We've been asking the Lord for rain I don't think there's any dispute or any disagreement on whether we're in the last days. So the criteria has been met. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, and here's what he'll do. He'll make bright clouds or lightnings and give us showers of rain, exhibitions or manifestations of Holy Ghost revelation. Holy Ghost power and Holy Ghost utterance. And it will result in grass in the field or as James said, the precious fruit of the earth. Folks, buckle up. Because we have done things that puts God on notice not as if it would be against his will, but because it is his will. We have done things here in this church. I'd like to say I'm smart enough to have planned it this way, but some of these things we just stumbled up on just obeying what God told us to do for the moment. But we've got a promise from God. We've got a promise of the manifestation of the Spirit of God we've got a promise for lightning strikes. And the more and more we come in in tune with God's word, the more and more we see by the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, who we are in Christ and what is the hope of his calling and what belongs to us, the power that belongs to us as children of God. We are now in a position to put God to the test. And the Holy Ghost manifestation, as he wills, not as we will. We don't control it and never will get to the place where we control it. But we're in the perfect position for God to do what he wants to do. Which is minister to people in power, not just in word. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So shall he make bright clouds or lightnings and give them showers of rain to everyone, grass in the field. Let's all stand and just lift our hands toward God and thank him for the moving of the Holy Ghost. We bless you, Father. We worship you. We glorify your holy name. Father, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for bright clouds or lightnings of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Father, for showers of rain, Holy Ghost revelation, Holy Ghost power, and Holy Ghost utterance. We thank you, Father, for the showers of rain and the grass in the field. We bless you, Holy Father, for keeping and honoring your word. We thank you, Father, for making it so as a church family, and as individuals, as a part of your family. We thank you for bringing it to pass, Father. We thank you for bringing it to pass. Thank you for the rain. Thank you, Father, for the rain. Thank you, Father, for the rain. rain. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Amen. We've got some things to look forward to, folks. We've got a promise from the unchanging God. Thank God for the rain.